Hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Headlines. It is April 15th, 2018, and I am Harrison Cayley. Joining me today, as usual, are Joe Quinn and Neil Bradley. Hi there. Hi, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about the events of this weekend, the strike on Syria. So if, in case you haven't heard, um, just like last year, one year ago, the United States... Um, in concert with France and the UK, have launched a missile attack on Syria. Now, this has been kind of expected, or at least uh, kind of telegraphed by by Trump and the American um, administration for the past week or so, or more, since April 7th and 8th. That is when uh, supposedly a chemical attack um, took place in Douma, near Damascus, well, in Damascus, in Syria. So if we go over the timeline a bit, just briefly, we'll get into the details later. Um, before April 7th, when this attack allegedly took place, about a month beforehand and at several times since then, and even in the months before, the Russians and as well as the Syrians have been saying that they expect a essentially a false flag to take place where the rebels in this region of East Ghouta would stage a chemical attack to basically call in U.S. air support because that's what happened a year ago. And it happened. <laughs> so on Friday night, our time, which was at like 4, four in the morning Syria time, France, the U.K., and the U.S., F-U-K-U-S, as we're lovingly on, referring say, to them. Say it properly, Harry. <laughs> uh, Fucus? Close. <laughs> Slower. <laughs> slower <laughs> uh, that's as close as i'm gonna get um launched over 100 missiles at what they say were three um three targets a kind of what they allege was a chemical weapons kind of research um lab, lab, uh, laboratory um, like research and development facility basically a storehouse or a warehouse storing um chemical weapons precursors and another facility and according to the Americans, it was a complete success, um, as Trump put it. How did he put it? Something like a, a perfect strike or something like that. Um, um, all the missiles hit hit their, these three targets. None of them, uh, none of them missed. None of them were shot down. The Syrian air defense utterly failed. And um, the clown yeah, said, so "Mission accomplished." Mission exactly. Mission accomplished. I mission mean, what was he thinking? He tweeted that, so it wasn't like, you know, said in a hurry. He thought about it and said, I'm going to use W's dumb mission accomplished statement for this. He's a clown. And then today, he, today he, uh, he, backed, he, he backed it up. He said, uh, he replied on Twitter, because um, everyone's criticizing him for saying mission accomplished. So on Twitter, I don't have it open right now, but he basically said, oh, well, you know, I knew that everyone was going to, to hassle me for saying mission accomplished, but it's a great term and we need to use it more often. So uh, he's sticking by his mission accomplished. Um, but anyways, that's what the Americans say. The the Russians, like, you know, that day um, after the, in the afternoon, essentially, afternoon and evening, um, the Ministry of Defense had a little press briefing where they gave a rundown of the situation, saying, according to them, the, the you know, Focus targeted basically, I think, like eight or nine places, including various um, airfields, like military air bases, basically. The Russians. 
yeah. um, the Russian Ministry of Defense. And so they gave a list of like, I think it was around nine places that were targeted and gave a rundown of of um, how many missiles were fired at each target and how many were, were either you know diverted or taken out by the air defense system. And so according to the Russians, out of I think it was 103 or 105 missiles fired, they intercepted like 71 or something like that. So about 30 30 odd missiles got through. So the, the just to compare that, the Americans say they only targeted three sites. The Russians say they targeted um, targeted nine or so, and that missiles got through to three of them. So, for example, the Russians said that uh, the Americans launched 12 cruise missiles at the Dumer, um, I believe that's the name of it, Dumer Air Base um, in Damascus, and that all 12 of those cruise missiles were um, diverted or um, shot down. Now there is, you know, whenever something like this happens, there's all kinds of sources saying stuff. You know, oh, a lot, and a lot of people say they have, you know, contacts in the Syrian military, and a lot of people do, um, but it's hard to parse, you know, how many of these sources are accurate. But um, in the day, day or two after the strike, many people, Syrian sources, were saying that um, a lot of the missiles were shot down with air, with the air defense systems, and that others were diverted using jamming technology, and of course they were they were saying, oh, you know, we won't say who whose technology it was. Well, obviously, you know, they're hinting that it was the Russians because the Russians basically stood down um, in the days beforehand. They um, sent all their or a lot, either all or most of their ships that were you know based in Tartus. Um, they, you know, sent them for drills along the coast, um, basically evacuated that area, and apparently, well, allegedly, kind of pulled their pulled their guys out of certain areas, and um, right before, or some, let's say, at some time before the attack, because uh, the Russians were in contact with the Americans this whole time, um, they somehow either the Americans told them directly or through like uh, the, there's some people saying it was through France that the, the Russians were warned um, which targets exactly were going to be um, struck. So, of course, that gave the Russians and the Syrians time to evacuate the, those areas um, and to move a lot of their um, a lot of the Syrians um, like more valuable weaponry like their the, their high-end jets and the things that they have out of the way and into safety. And um, so there was time to to coordinate that kind of response. And the, so, like I said, the, there's a lot of buzz going around that while the Russians may not have uh, or didn't, you know, we know they didn't um, activate any of their air defense systems because the, the missiles weren't directly targeting any Russian forces or Russian um um, like the Russian bases or um, technology, military technology, they did, um, well, they might have used their jamming technology to divert some of these cruise missiles. And the the Syrians say that there are no casualties, only three people were injured. And from what I've heard about those injuries, those were from, you know, missiles that were diverted and, you know, landed, um, you know, near residential areas. And those were shrapnel wounds. So that's just a basic rundown of what happened. Do you have any yeah, comments on that? That's the basic rundown. Okay, that's, they're the details. On, um, but let's just frame this for a second here. Last yeah. week, the planet basically was on the verge of 
total Armageddon. Okay, I know few of our listeners will actually believe that to be the case, but the rhetoric last week was such that plenty of seasoned analysts, serious people who write about geopolitics and world events all the time, were telling their followers, their readers, their listeners, that they were not sure that they were going to wake up for a couple of mornings there last week because they thought we were on the verge of nuclear Armageddon. Mm -hmm. People who watched all this happen during the Cold War, and, you know, they study study it for a living. I mean, they're academics. Say they, in this current climate, have never seen anything as tense Mm -hmm. as it's at least as far as the rhetoric is concerned. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, um, what started this off? It was that alleged chemical attack in Duma last week. Uh, I think it, I think it's up this Saturday night, April seventh, mm-hmm. and then they were off. It was a rerun of claims, but this time it was uh, the rhetoric. They said it was it never been. People were saying, well, they'd never seen anything like this. But there was a, a similarity, obviously, with what happened last year. Alleged chemical attack. Trump's, Trump tweets something, oh, that's sick. The U.S. launches uh, airstrikes against Shayrat Air Base. There was that. It was also very close to the situation we had um, in 2013. Another alleged chemical attack, also in Ghouta. Mm-hmm. The U.S. and other NATO forces were weapons hot, planes on the runway, ready for takeoff, apparently, and then suddenly they backed down. Mm-hmm. The British had a vote in, in Parliament, and, oh, we've, decided, we've voted not to go to war. And it looked like democracy actually functioned mm-hmm. in Britain for the first time. Um, but that was an illusion, of course. But whatever. That's, that's how close things got last week in terms of, at least at the level of the rhetoric, Mm-hmm. And everyone held their breath. What's going to happen? Is the U.S. seriously going to blow up Syria? Mm-hmm. What will Russia do? And then in the end, we got this strange, muted event that... Well, it was... Yeah, I mean, it was obvious uh, to us anyway that that was, uh, that was what was going to happen. In fact, uh, you know, I was posting about it in, on Facebook Five days on when when when, uh, the, when Trump first talked about his uh, nice new shiny missiles and stuff, when they first mooted the idea that they were going to uh, launch some kind of a, a an attack because of the chemical weapons, supposed chemical weapons attack, which is complete and utter nonsense. Everybody understands that at this po- at this point. I, I hope understands that <clears throat> that how transparent that uh, that transparently false that claim is. Um, there, there's no evidence, basically. I mean, put it this way. You know when something happens, when there's some claim that some crime has been committed, and then uh, the person who feels aggrieved says, okay, we're going to get someone in there and investigate who did this. But before, or say the international community says that, we're going to get someone in and try and find out who, who, who did this bad thing against you. Um, and before they can get anybody in, the person who claims they were, uh, they're, they're the, the victim of this jumps in and starts kicking people, you know, indiscriminately slapping people or beating people up, whatever. It's like, you know, are you sure, you know, that, 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 you're, that you're honest here and, that, and, that, and your claims? That this is someone who makes a claim that I was aggressed 
and I know who did it. Okay, well, let's investigate. No, shut up. I know who it was. I'm going to get in there and kick the crap out of that person. It's like, but hang on, there isn't really any evidence that that person did this to you. Shut up, I'm going to get them. I mean, it's such a, a, a false, obviously false uh, narrative and a, a, like a preformed uh, agenda, a preformed uh, plan to, to do something that it's amazing. And what dismays me the most about all of this is the fact that people, uh, the average person, I don't know how many there are. And again, it, it actually frustrates me that I can't tell how many people are actually buying this nonsense, but uh, I'm assuming that a certain number of people are buying the nonsense, and it blows my mind that anybody would buy this. It's not even in the realm of kind of like murky, yeah, you can't really know what's going on. It's so obvious by the, by the behavior of the British government and the American government in particular over the past month since the Skripal business, leading, which is all of a piece basically with this uh, chemical weapons attack. Well, I mean, Skripal was uh, supposedly a victim of chemical weapons, and then suddenly you have chemical weapons in Syria. Uh, and, it, and what ties the two together is Russia, right? Uh, but since the, since the Skripal business, which is now, what, uh, six weeks old, um, the way the British government and the American government have conducted themselves ha uh, should leave no one in any doubt that these people are full of it. They, are, they have an agenda. They're making up uh, accusations against other people to justify a preformed plan that they have. And we know what that preformed plan is. They want to get rid of Assad. They want to... They want to uh, to change the situation in Syria, so um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, and I don't know I don't know what to do. I don't know. Theresa to do May that. expressly justified Britain's participation in the airstrikes against Syria as saying it was to deter chemical attacks in Syria and the United Kingdom. Yeah. So they have she 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 without saying Russia she stitched in she basically stitched in the Skripal affair somehow. A chemical attack it's in Syria is going to transform into some kind of a chemical attack on the UK by Assad or something? Remember Are we back at Saddam Hussein's 45 minutes? Does, hang on a minute. Kind of. Does Bashar al-Assad have a weapon with a chemical warhead that he could launch in 45 minutes that would strike the UK and wipe out millions of people? No, is but, that true? No, but Russia did. Russia does, you see? Because Russia, Russia has did. what? Russia poisoned Skripal, and Trump blamed, accused Russia of being behind the Duma chemical attack in Syria. Right. So Russia is the connecting factor between the two. That's why Russia might attack the UK with chemical weapons. That's, that's how the UK is able to posture itself in a formal official statement of saying, we, we attack Syria in self-defense. You see? That's, mm. the ang that's how they're angling that in there. It's very, a bit vague, though, for me. It's extremely vague, but it it, it flies with some people because they see the they see the world as one great big danger zone. It's an appeal and to I'm emotion. here in my safe space, and everything else is a yeah. threat. It's and an appeal to emotion, and particularly to authoritarian follower types who want the government to save them from anything. Uh, people who yeah. have a tendency to easily crap their emotional pants, and and to fundamentally, in the root of their being, believe that the whole world is out to get them, especially Putin. Especially Putin, he'll do, but Assad will do too. Saddam. There's only, one, Gaddafi, there's only one group that thinks the whole world's out to get them. Uh, well, they have it strongest. But I think wow. the syndrome can be found elsewhere. It can be found among, especially among liberal types in Western cities. They really like, that's, what they, that's why they're the, they're, that's the constituency that eats this stuff up. They think the world is out to get them, or bad people are out to get them, or there's bad stuff in the world that needs to They will to eat up stuff. this propaganda. They will believe that Putin, Assad, Gaddafi before them... Um, threaten their lives in their safe spaces back home. That's why we need to go over. Yeah, 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 let's go bomb them. That's why you have the anti-war party, the, the traditional anti-war 
party effectively being the most vocal in its support for for bombing other countries. Effectively, which effectively. is what happened. Which yeah. is what has happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But back to the back back to the Duma thing. The, um, this was. I mean, if you read, I just published an article on Sat.net. Uh, there's a nice picture of Trump at the top, uh, and it, it's it's about the, the it's mainly about the the claim that. Uh, all of these missiles, 104, 305, 118, there's different sources, but uh, uh, I think the Americans said le- less than 120 or something. Uh, there's various different numbers, but it's over 100 anyway. Over 100 Tomahawk and other type of cruise missiles fired from planes, etc., were, were fired in the morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, from the Red Sea and the, per- and, and the, in the Mediterranean, fired at Syria at According to the, um, it should be noted that, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure everybody knows this. I know Harrison, you said at the beginning that they, they Russia said they targeted about eight or nine different uh, sites. But officially, mm-hmm. according to uh, Lieutenant General Kenneth F. McKenzie, who told reporters yesterday uh, yeah. that, uh, and, and this was also backed up by um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Joseph Dunford, uh, both of them confirmed that only three targets were hit uh, and planned to be hit in the first place. Only three. Uh, and uh, those three targets were basically a university, a research institute, a, 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 an institute of higher learning. It's actually called the uh, – it's called the – it's outside Damascus. It's called the Higher Institute of Applied Science and Technology. It's well known. It's been about, around there for uh, – since 1983 it was founded. Uh, it basically is a technical college, a uh, university. There's undergraduate and postgraduate degrees in engineering and math and algebra, well, different, basically sciences and research and development and stuff. And it's in a campus just on the outskirts of Damascus, right beside the Basra suburb, which itself has about 50,000 people, and this is right on the very edge of it. It's a you know, few acres, several buildings on this campus, <clears throat> and that was one of the targets. Three buildings on, in, on that campus, they basically destroyed them. Um, the other two sites of the three that they targeted, and these are the only ones that they targeted, according to the Americans, uh, were outside homes, the west of homes, along the highway, just off the highway, again, in, like around little villages around there, a few thousand people and stuff in, in little villages around there, uh, in the countryside, basically. A few little buildings, like two little cow sheds, basically, that looked like the size of cow shed type things, and one that's even smaller. Uh, so outside Damascus, they blew up uh, three buildings in the university, outside homes, they blew up a few couple of cow sheds and tried to blow up another thing that looks more like a chicken shed maybe, uh, <laughs> but they missed that one. If you look at the satellite pictures, because I'm, I'm not joking here, the U.S. government released to the media satellite images of these sites before and after. And you can see before, if you look at the article, you can see before and after images. Uh, on the third one, they actually missed it completely. There's only one uh, evidence of one uh, impact site. And it missed the little building that's right there. It's, and I'm talking about really like a cow shed sized place. Um, the other place, a couple of the little buildings were destroyed. And then in the, in the university campus, three kind of buildings which were, you know, part of the part of this uh, Institute of Technology, uh, they were destroyed. And there's video you can see of the rubble of that people on Sputnik and RT and stuff. And there's the Syrian government is. People have been there. Chinese TV has been there. <laughs> Chinese people there. But the interesting thing in the videos is that they're all walking around 
uh, these buildings in, the, in, in this university uh, that have been destroyed. They're walking around close to them. There's loads of people all going around. There's Chinese reporters that are talking about them and saying, hey, look at this, look at that, look, the building has collapsed and stuff. And uh, according to America, this was a chemical weapon storage site, development and storage site, right beside the outskirts of Damascus where the 50,000 people just a few hundred meters away. Uh, so, you know, one thing you haven't heard in, in the media, all three of these sites, which were in populated areas, close to populated areas, were all, according to the Americans, storage or production sites for chemical weapons, including sarin. And they blew the crap out of them, or tried to blow the crap out of them, at least in one, in one case, and, and, and didn't do it. So not mm-hmm. one member of the mainstream media, as far as I'm aware, has raised the question of, is that not a bit dangerous? I mean, you say, oh. this is a sarin storage site, stockage, you know, deep, depot for sarin chemical weapons, and you fired chemical weapons, or missiles at it, beside populated area? What were you going to say, Harrison? Well, actually, um, at least one mainstream source did bring it up. The The Pentagon did a uh, like a press conference yesterday, right. and one of the questions asked was about this. And basically saying, well, if you're blowing, if you know, if you're targeting these chemical weapons facilities, isn't there a chance that that would be dangerous because it would release all these chemicals? And the response was, the response was pretty funny. They basically said, well, um, you know, our military guys are really smart, and they took that into account. And all we can say is that uh, we're sure that um, that um, you know it won't have any effect, and you'll be able to tell after the fact when there are no reports of any. Uh, Right. Any chemicals, you know, right. being dispersed. So either <laughs> your either your tech guys, your military tech guys, are so smart they know they can blow up a chemical weapons site, and somehow the missile will have magical powers where it will prevent the dispersal of the chemical weapons at that site. Or the other possible explanation is that there were none there. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Anybody? Anybody? Take yeah. take your pick. Which is it? Which is which is most likely to be? Let's use Occam's razor here. The U.S. government knows that they can blow up a chemical weapons site with a cruise missile and it will not affect the people who are living right beside it. Or there are none there. Send your, vote, send your votes in on that one, folks, uh, to uh, south.net and we'll release the results later on. Um, now that we've busted that wide open, I know what they'll come back with. Well, those sites didn't quite have chemical weapons. They had the precursors. No, but they've said that they were storage <laughs> They've sites. said outright storage, storage oh. Yes. The one, well, the one, come back the one east of Homs was were were, were bunkers and depots. See, I'm trying bunkers, to give them an out here. And right. uh, uh, so the other thing, but the other thing no. that this brings up, when you look at the details, look at the images of. If you look at the images of the Institute of Technology outside Damascus that they blew up three buildings in that campus, uh, you look at uh, the size of it, and you say, okay, there are three buildings, not very big buildings, you know, several stories high, but you know just a small part of the few acre site and, and three buildings on it. And you think to yourself, how many, can, how many cruise missiles would it take to blow up those three buildings? And you go, you can look at some videos of, of cruise missiles. I mean, a, a, a Tomahawk cruise missile, a standard cruise missile has 500 kilos, carries 500 kilos of explosives, i.e. about 1,000 pounds, 1,000 pounds of explosives. Uh, then you can look at 1,000 pound bombs being detonated. And you can get a rough estimate. There's one uh, video that I've included in the article of from Afghanistan, where the U.S. military is whooping and cheering over <coughs> dropping nine 1,000-pound bombs on a kind of a compound that is, based on my estimation, is actually significantly larger than the place in, in Damascus, the, the campus in Damascus, larger than the area of those three buildings. And these nine 1,000-pound bombs 
completely obliterated, right? Totally destroyed. And this is a good bit bigger than, than what was hit in, in Damascus in the campus. So, but the, the problem then comes up is that General Dunford and all the bigwigs in America said they fired, in the Pentagon said they fired 76 cruise missiles at those three buildings. Uh, frankly, it's nonsense. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, this is, it's interesting, though, because, and then, in, I mean, you would, if you, if you allow for the video that, that from Afghanistan that shows nine yes. similar cruise missiles basically being, or similar bombs being, being uh, detonated, you would say, okay, give them nine for that. But it's an overestimation. But let's allow them nine. So nine hit there. And these are the, these are the images they released themselves. There's no more images, no more sites talk about. Three sites, and you have images of the destruction of three sites, satellite images provided by the CIA of, or the, or the U.S. military, of these three sites that show the destruction before and after. You can use the little slider and say before, after, before, after. And it shows you the damage done on three sites, only three sites targeted, but 100-plus cruise missiles fired. The good thing about the, the, the two sites of the three in Homs, west of Homs, is that you can see the craters on the ground, and you can count them. On one, there's about five, and the other one is one, the one that actually missed the tiny little cow shed. Okay, it was a chicken shed, but it was hard to hit. Like, I mean, it, you have to allow for some level of, of kind of like, you know, error, basically, when you're firing at something so small. Even shiny new missiles, you know. It was they, a bit off, right, but it didn't yeah. hit it. So there's one crater at that site. But five craters at the other side, these two sites outside homes, so that's six. There's also talk, and the Russian military talked about the, um, the airbase ba- air um, near, um, just basically in, in Damascus called, um, what's the name of the airbase? Mezeh. Mezeh, military airbase in, yeah. in Damascus. Oh. And there's a video from RT from Rupley uh, that shows, doesn't show any destruction, but says that this was hit. Uh, but you can't see any destruction, any, any, any impact sites at all. So let's throw in 10 for that. That's quite a lot, 10 cruise missiles, but we'll throw in 10 at that, at that uh, military base. So you've got 10 there, five at the site outside homes, and one at the other site outside homes. That's 16. And if we give 10 for the, for the Institute of Technology, for the, that's 25. That's 25. By their own evidence and by their own statements, there's no way you can possibly account for more than 25 or 30 mm-hmm. missiles having hit anywhere in Syria. Mm-hmm. And that matches what the Russians said. Like, I've got the, the MOD briefing up right now. I'm, uh, I'll read it just to, to compare what you've been saying with what the Russians said. So they said four missiles targeted the, the Damascus International Airport, 12 missiles the Al-Dumer Airdrome, all missiles have been shot down. Right. 18 missiles targeted, targeted the Bly Airdrome. All missiles shot down. 12 missiles targeted the Shirat Airbase. All missiles shot down. All bases were not affected by the strike. Five out of nine missiles were shot down targeting the unoccupied Maza Airdrome. So that's the one you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So according to the Russians, um, four missiles got through to the Maza Airdrome. Okay. Um, 13 out of 16 missiles were shot down targeting the Holmes Airdrome. Um, there are no heavy destruction. So three missiles targeted, or three missiles got through to Holmes. And then, lastly, in total, 30 missiles targeted the facilities at Barza and Jama, uh, Jaramana. Seven of them have been shot down. So that, me- that, 
So they're, they're saying that 23 weren't shot down. Um, these facilities alleg allegedly relating to the so-called Damascus military chemicals program were partially destroyed. However, the objects have not been used for a long time, so there were no people or equipment there. Now, so, so basically 23... Yeah. Well, well and, to, oh, and get this. Go to Google Maps. <laughs> One and look, look, or go to the website of the, of the Institute of Technology outside uh, Damascus, uh, Barzeh uh, district outside Damascus. Uh, what do you mean it hasn't been used for a long time? There are, people, there are videos of people going in and out of it every day and going to classes in it. It's a university. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. But, uh, but listen, uh, here, the point is, yes, all of those were, were cited by Syrian or Russian authorities, all of those various different places, uh, air bases or airfields and all that kind of stuff that, uh, that were targeted. And it amounts to maybe 10 different places or more. Uh, and they give the the numbers of how many were shot down, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But that just proves the point, basically, that, or, or just exposed the lies, the further lies of, of the U.S. government in that they, when, look at it this way, they fire 100-plus cruise missiles. They know they're tracking them. They're their cruise missiles. They're guided by GPS. Mm -hmm. They're watching them. And in real time, if they were fired at 4 o'clock in the morning Syria time, uh, a couple of days ago, then at 5 o'clock in the morning, the U.S. knew that a crap load of them were shot down. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until 11 o'clock right. or 10 o'clock in the morning, our time, I, about six hours after the attack actually happened, or seven hours after the attack happened, that was the first media report. There was a six-hour dead zone, basically, or... or you know, um, I wondered about radio, that la radio uh, silence, a lag, right? Yeah, and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what they they took, had this period of time when they're saying, "Okay, listen, seventy percent more or less of our missiles just got shot down." Initially, we were going to release reports about all the locations that were targeted and were hit, but we can't do that now. We need a few hours to figure out what to say. And the first reports then came out and reduced what was going to be originally right. by the original plan based on the targeting of the 109 missiles of all those different places, of 10 or 12 places, including many airfields. That was reduced down to three. The three places that they knew they actually hit with any significance. In fact, there was some of the... Some of the... Uh, the, some of the um, Some of the missiles that hit that Harrison mentioned and that the Syrians say actually hit um, air bases that weren't mentioned by the weren't part of the obviously the three the three targets that were hit by that, that were claimed by the by the yeah. US government. Uh, they weren't even sure. You know, they, they knew they fired ten at that at that or nine at that airbase, but only five of them got only four of them got through. So they were like, eh, will we will we include that one? Yeah, no, let's leave that out. That, there were meetings, frantic meetings. We don't even, know, we don't even know if they got there. What we do know, though, is the, you know, a bunch yep. of them hit the, the, the university. So we'll highlight so, that. So we'll highlight that, and we've got to spin that as... And we'll, big, we'll push big extra, the excess airstrikes will push them over into accounting for that particular airstrike. Right, but they can't, obviously. 76, Although, why? Because they said 76. I mean, yeah, your man said, uh, what's his name, um, Lieutenant... General McKenzie. McKenzie said 76. Go look at it yourself. 
Look, it's called the Higher Institute of Applied Science and Technology outside of Damascus. It's been there since 1983. It's been given people diplomas, graduate degrees, postgraduate degrees, undergraduate degrees in various sciences. It's a research uh, and, and teaching uh, institution. Um, go on Google Maps, look at it. It's to, at, at the back, back end of Damascus, away from the sea. You can see it. You can see the campus, and you can see clearly the three buildings that were destroyed. And then go look at the video. Of, from, you can look at it from China News, Russian News, Syrian News, whatever you want. It's on, all of them are on YouTube. And you can see the buildings that were kind of like collapsed and partially destroyed and some, one, or, one of them completely destroyed. And then you tell me that 76, 500 kilogram, 1,000 pound bombs hit that area. And go and do your research, whatever, on bombs and, and the effects they have. It's complete nonsense. But this guy had to come out yesterday, Saturday, so he had two days or day and a half to get his story straight. That's Dunford, Chairman of the Joint, Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Lieutenant Colonel, whatever his name is, McKenzie. They had to state, say, that 76 of them hit, that, hit that, those three buildings, which is complete nonsense. This is the, the level of BS. It's incredible. They needed a massive lie to obviously do this in the first place, and having done it, it's still no victory for them, but they need to lie again to make it seem like one. It's, it's incredible. Well, but what is the thing that they're having to cover up? It's that the Syrians shot down right. the vast, the majority of those shiny new smart, to quote the president, right. <laughs> Tomahawk missiles, including, they said, including two brand new types developed by Lockheed Martin. First time ever being used. Right. First time ever, brand new, shiny. <laughs> Maybe they're, they're probably the ones Trump was referring to. Shiny, new, smarter, smarter missiles. And they shot them down. Oh, my God. They shot down a bunch of them. I mean, seriously. Um... And they're, they're covering this up. They're covering this up all over the place. There, there are videos. I mean, there are videos from Damascus. Obviously, people were either pre-positioned or they woke up and they filmed themselves mm -hmm. of missiles being launched around the city. And I've I've seen I saw I saw them, but they were first put up on Saturday. But now I'm seeing these same video footage being shared by the social media channels of mainstream outlets like AP and the Guardian, and they're reporting. They're making they're putting headlines like, "Here's AP's headline of a clip of what is obviously a missile being launched from the ground into the sky." Mm -hmm. Raw footage. Flares launched into skies above Damascus. Flares. Flares. <laughs> this is the level of, of bullshit that they're feeding. They're feed, trying to feed people. You know. Uh, I don't know. Is it that the media is just that retarded, or are they that cynical and, and that, you know, that, uh, are they that duplicitous? You know, or are they just so stupid that they they've become such hacks? They've been spent so many years just repeating memos and briefs given to them by politicians that they have actually lost the ability or interest to actually think for themselves. I mean, somebody writes that, somebody looks at that video, what kind of idiot does that? Looks at a video of a light in the sky during what is everybody understands to be a, a, an attack, a light from in the distance going up from the ground. 
and disappearing into the sky and calls that a flare. Who are they employing? <laughs> Flares fall down. They appear first in the sky and they fall to earth. <laughs> well, apparently gravity is reversed for these people or something. The Guardians was no better. They have the similar headline. Amateur footage, the same one I've seen and shared myself. They say it shows missiles falling over Damascus as the airstrikes begin. Right. But they're rising up from the ground. They're not. They're being launched from the sky. It's obvious they're being launched from from the the ground ground upwards. Like, it's it's so shameless. It's... It's either, well, like you said, it's either shameless or they actually interpret reality that way. They're so in, inured to it that they will look at it and up is suddenly down. I, I don't know. The, the, their belief actually twists and distorts their vision, basically, and yeah. so they see the opposite of what's actually happening. They saw, a, they, they watched the same event as the rest of us on Saturday, when it was eventually reported after being put through uh, clearance control at the Pentagon whatever and they went oh it's baghdad shock and all over mm-hmm. right. some 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 people actually there's a couple of youtube channels are taking the footage what they claim to be the footage you know they're posting videos and they're saying this is footage of damascus being hit by the airstrikes on april 14 2018 and it includes footage of shock and all from 2003 and um Bombing by Kiev forces in eastern right. Ukraine in 2015. So they're they're fully into the the the, the realm of fake news. Whether I mean that, that doing that basically. Did you say the Guardian did that? No, no. the Guardian did that. Some uh, Trump a Trump, Trump. Cha- Trump supporting channel, Trump Days or something like Trump that. Yahoo, Yahoo's, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think the fish is going to have to come out for the media. Big time. You know, it's not just politicians anymore, but fish slapping is necessary now for, you know, all of the media. And um, it would also, it would almost motivate me to get like a press pass, a fake press pass, so I can get into one of those press conferences. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be up, I wouldn't be targeting the person giving the press conference, a politician necessarily. I'd just be running around the room slapping the heads of every single member of the Western media because... I mean, you can joke about it, but those people are dangerous. Yeah. Extremely dangerous because they are the interface between, you know, what's happening in the world uh, at the level of of, of politics and government that has direct effect on the people. And they're the interface between them. You know, they're kind of like the popes of the world, if you know what I mean. The popes of the media, basically, where they're the interface between God, the politicians, and the ordinary people. They interpret the word of God, basically. And these people are actually... Less and less, thankfully. Huh? They are well, less hopefully and less. less and less. But they're, now they're just an, an annoyance, an interference between yeah. basically people can just talk and work things out themselves. Well, hopefully more people will do that. But I mean, they still have an extreme. I mean, maybe yeah, now that's happening. But my problem is, is that for decades they have poisoned the minds of of people, of a whole generation of people, uh, with lies and nonsense, uh, and you know, refu- refusing to do their job the job that they were given to do, which is actually investigate, use their brains and, and report what they find. They're basically just an arm of the government. And it's uh, it's despicable. I mean, these, there's a special place in hell for those people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, and it's the lies that are killing. I mean, the lies eventually have real effects, like they kill people yeah. in these war zones. But it's the lies that are killing us all. Yeah. Um, it's toxic. They literally kill your soul. And these people just do it shamelessly. 
Um, yeah. They have no soul. They want to eat everyone else's soul. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they just like, they seem, they seem, at this point, they seem to revel in it, you know, where you've had so many opportunities to challenge your own beliefs. Let's say, go mm-hmm. with it. Well, that's just what they've always believed and it's what they've always been told. But at this point, Russia has practically stepped, physically stepped into Syria, held up a giant freaking mirror for the whole world to see, mm-hmm. shown so many ways that Al-Qaeda is a Western creature. Mm-hmm. This is another, I mean, the reason that they're doing this in Doom is because the Syrian forces and the Russians were on the verge of clearing it out. And right. as they clear out each enclosure, they show videos of all the weapons they that these terrorists have had all these years all from Israel, Western Britain, markets. France, the US, and so on, mm-hmm. you know, practically made in the UK, yeah. stamped all over them. So that's what I mean by the holding up the mirror. And the evidence right. is just over-freaking-whelming now. Right. Of course, it, so, that's then spun by these people as an avalanche of Russian propaganda. Right, so they're lying. They're lying. They're blatantly lying. And I mean, it, this this chemical weapons narrative is complete... Is complete nonsense, and they keep spewing it out over and over again. I mean, in this in this pusillanimous kind of like slimy way, with just even the Guardian, the lefty Guardian newspapers and stuff, you know, that are supposed to be supposed to be anti-war, are, are in the reports on this are parroting this bullshit line of chemical weapons as if that's the reason why the U.S. has the biggest buildup of military ships. In the Mediterranean, off the coast of of, of Syria and Lebanon, uh, since since the 2003 Iraq invasion, when they invaded Iraq, right, with 200,000 troops or 100,000 troops. Since then, they have this the biggest military buildup, and the Guardian, the anti-war Guardian, is going to kind of try and convince everybody that it's because of some allegation by some people that 50 people were killed in a chemical weapons attack in Douma. That's how much America cares about Arabs and all the American politicians and all the British politicians and all the French politicians care so much about Arabs in general or the people of Syria that they're willing to put like a, you know, full military might onto the shores and prepare to invade the country and bomb the country back to the Stone Age to save some Arabs. This is what the, the media actually is, is trying to convince you <clears throat> is what's actually happening. And they don't give a shit about the obvious story that's behind it, the obvious truth that this is a, a geopolitical kind of a game that's been going on for a long time between Russia between, uh, and the US and its allies that has been going on for seven years and, and, that, and the context of the Syrian conflict in general, which is that from, from day one, the US and the UK and France, focus have been lobbying for seven or eight years, well, go back seven or eight years, and they were screaming from the, at the top of their voices that such, uh, Assad is a brutal dictator and he has to go. And then immediately after that round of screaming, the country gets invaded by a bunch of jihadi mercenaries who are using Western weapons. And the Guardian is going to tell us it's about humanitarian, it's about concern for the, 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 the Syrian people. The upshot of them doing that, of them screaming for the beheading, effectively, of, of Assad, and then them flooding the country with the help of their Gulf state allies, Saudi Arabia, etc., to flood the country with 100,000-plus mercenaries with Western weapons, the upshot, the result of that over the past seven years has been the death of half a million Syrian civilians that they are responsible for. Yeah. And today, the anti-war 
newspapers will tell us or try and justify further bombing of Syria on the basis of that the Western governments, on the basis of the idea that the Western governments care about the Syrian people when they spent the last seven years slaughtering half a million of them. Mm -hmm. If there were Nuremberg trials for this crime, the Guardian, key, key Guardian personnel, editorial staff, and certain of their regular writers would be up as accomplices for war crimes. Right. Absolutely. Um, they have no excuses. I, I was told to write it won't be an excuse. Um, while everyone else around me believed it won't be an excuse. You wrote flagrant lies in the face of overwhelming opportunities to see. To tell the truth. To tell the truth. And to find it. out for yourself. Right. And help and try and save people's lives. Um. I didn't know. Um, they could be blowing smoke here as well. But is that probably correct that it was, it was the largest build-up yet? Of it is, yeah. It was the Along largest build-up. I mean, the U.S. The aircraft carrier Truman, USS Truman, right. is scheduled to arrive in the next day or two or whatever well, uh, with, you know, six, what, 60 aircraft or something. I mean, what's going to happen there? We don't know, but uh, that's something we can talk about, actually, is, is after this 100-plus cruise missile attack on nothing, basically, nothing of any strategic value in, well, actually, you have to have to be specific about this. The 100-plus cruise missile attack that was launched the other night on Syria was not against nothing. It was against strategic targets that Harrison mentioned earlier on, several military bases, yeah. etc. The reason it turned out to be insignificant was because 70% of the missiles were shot down. The question now is, and obviously, America knows that. It's lying about it, obviously, because, it, you know, like I said in the article, it, it also lied through its, through its teeth back in the first Gulf War about the success of Patriot missiles, talking about, you know, almost 100% success rate. Actually, it was two. So Amer America has a, a, a track record, it has past form, of telling massive whopper lies about the performance of its missiles. So obviously it is doing the same again today based on all of the objective evidence. So the question is, now that it knows that, now that it got that shock, there was a bit of shock and awe the other night actually, but it was all in the Pentagon. Right. They were shocked and awed. By Russian by capabilities. Not just, Although, well, by Syrian capabilities. Syrian, officially Syrian. Syrian. Cold War 1970s well, anti-aircraft systems. Of the, course the This is probably something can. we need to tease out here. On Saturday morning, the Russian MOD got to send the mother of all digs to the Pentagon by making, laying this out that 70% of them had been shot down, comma, by Cold War era technology. Right. <laughs> but we don't believe that, right? They, they probably wasn't. If they, I mean, they could be o older systems, but they've probably been upgraded, right? Right. But yeah, the Russians that, have been upgrading the Syrian technology right, for the last right. couple of years but, now. But that doesn't mean that they're not Cold War systems. A lot but, of them were Cold War systems, right, you know what I mean? But it's just, yeah. it's just about, I mean, obviously, technology hasn't advanced that, that much in the past 30 or 40 years in terms of the, the speed, let's say, of, of missiles, of, of the average missiles that, we, that you'd use. Like the Tomahawk cruise missile uh, that was used um, has been in, in service for, what, 20, 30 years? It's still flying at the same speed as it as it did when it was first developed at about at the same speed of a, as a commercial airliner, about 500 miles an hour. So, technology from that area that was designed to shoot it down, using the same kind of technology, same kind of rocket propulsion, etc., they can fly fast, and you know they 
the difference maybe is, is, in, uh, is in radar, the effectiveness of radar. So it's not so much that you need to have, technology has evolved so much that you need to have super, super fast anti-missile defenses type of thing because missiles have become super fast. They haven't really, uh, the standard missiles that they use, it's the effectiveness of a, a Cold War era anti-missile system uh, can be upgraded, not by upgrading the system itself, but upgrading the radar that goes along with it in terms of targeting. So as long as you can target, actively target and track the incoming missiles, then a 1980s or late, late 1970s uh, system or anti-aircraft anti or anti-missile uh, system will be, will be just, just fine. So mm -hmm. if we exclude last year's, last April's um, pre-run of this incident, where there are rumors that the Russians maybe jammed some of those 56 tomahawks coming in off the med. This represents the first successful defense against American aerial bombardment ever. Ever, but only because America only picks countries that cannot defend themselves, that have not got a capability. But Syria could. Effectively. And they but probably Syria knew that. Because of Russia. Over the past two years, Russia right. has been upgrading, polishing off, shining up their defense that they had. But Syria had, arguably has had, even regardless of Russia, Syria has had better, has better uh, air defense, better air defense system uh, since since the Cold War era. Right. Uh, because of its association with the Soviet Union. Okay. The Soviet Union actually sold anti-aircrafts, anti-aircraft anti and missile defense systems to, preferentially, to Syria because of its, the relationship that they had. Okay. So, and that's part of the reason why Russia is actually in Syria now, because they have a long history of having a close relationship uh, between the two countries. So, um, so basically, Syria already had a much more robust uh, anti-aircraft or anti-missile system than, say, Iraq had in 2003 or Libya had in 2011. And that has been augmented over the past couple of years with Syria, with Russia in the country, by the Russian uh, military who have, like I said, given it a new coat of paint and et cetera, et cetera. I have a question for Harrison. In mm -hmm. hindsight, do you wonder if Trump's tweet last Wednesday, which was patently absurd on the face of it, in which he gloated directly to Putin, basically saying, watch out, Russia, we've got shiny new missiles and we're coming for Syria. Do you wonder if, in hindsight, there was a heads up to Russia? Well, well, I think so, um, for sure. Well, this is this is what I think has been going on, mostly just based on reading, um, you know, little comments here and there from you know people who seem to be in the know and just kind of using common sense as well. Of course, I could be wrong. Is that from the moment this 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 whole um, well, this latest conflict started, like in the, just in the past few weeks, that there has been um, conflict within the United States, um, kind of military establishment and the, the administration and the war hawks, and that this is, well, let's just kind of try to figure out what, has, what might have been going on. Um, from reports, it seems that uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis has actually been the voice of reason and was within the, the administration that there were certain war hawks and that this, according to some reports, even includes Trump, that Trump really wanted to go hard 
Um, most likely Bolton too, who's now in there. Um, there are some, you know, commentators who have, who have, you know, on commentators on the Hill with sources that have basically said, yeah, for sure. Bolton was behind this hundred um, percent as in supporting it, not necessarily as, as being the guy that started it, but that within the, the military, at least with Mattis, he was, he was the, one of the, the same voices of reason saying, okay, no, we can't go big. We can't, destroy all these targets we can't like basically we can't go to war with russia that would be stupid um the best thing to do would be to do not to do nothing but if we have to do something it will be this cosmetic kind of symbolic strike like last year and so after the strike happened a lot of these commentators were saying well it looks like mattis kind of had a had an effect on the rest of the people in the administration there are also reports that for the entire week you know since that tweet that there, that the uh, Russian and the American military were con in constant com contact, basically. So, um, so it looks like on both sides, well, at least on the American side, there was the perception that they needed to do something, that Trump needed to do something. You know, w whether that's true or not is kind of irrelevant. If they think they need to do something, and if they, you know, are um, seemingly on that path that they will be doing something, then th then you need. To they need to decide, okay, well, then what are we going to actually do? Well, that's when some coordination with the Russians can come into play, where it's like, okay, we're, we're going to do something, like like Trump tweeted, we have to do something, we're going to do something, so let's work something out here. Um, you know, get your guys out of these locations, because we don't want to kill any Russians, and we know, um, you know, that's kind of the, the red line in Syria for the Russians. Um, so I don't know how... It's, it's impossible to say how specific these conversations would have gotten, but yeah. um, <clears throat> but by all indications, the Russians were told in advance when the strikes would happen and presumably also um, some of the targets that would be targeted. Now, that might also explain um, um, some of the success rate for the anti-missile you know, anti defense. Um, not to say that the they wouldn't have been effective without but with that extra information you know knowing when they're going to be attacked and which bases are going to be attacked that uh you know that data may have made the anti you know basically made the air defense that uh, you know a bit more effective one thing i wanted to ask uh you guys um joe um, particularly based on you know something you just said about the syrian air defense is that i read something in the past you know i think it was yesterday i think it was from andrew karibko and he was talking about how he thinks that that was the main reason that the the air defense was so successful is because they knew beforehand and had all this data beforehand, plus the the, the advantage of um, you know the Russian involvement in their their systems that they can coordinate with the Syrian systems. Um, but he said that the that Iraq had very similar systems, you know, in some of the same technology back in 2003, and that it, that they did put it into use when when um, when Iraq was bombed basically and attacked you know uh, total shock and awe and that their systems didn't um, weren't as effective as the Syrians were this time so um, uh, I just wanted to see what you thought about that with uh, just with uh, a little bit added that that there has been these last two years of upgrading the Syrian systems so we have right, to take yeah. that into <clears throat> I think I think that's that's an important part of it um, and very non-negligible non part of, of the effectiveness of the Syrian air defense and also the fact that I don't think Iraq had been sold uh, quite as many um, mm. systems as, as Syria had. Uh, if, if you look at the kind of um, 
if you look at the history of, of Syria and the Syrian-Russian relationship and even documented stuff you can find online of, uh, of military uh, weapons uh, sales agreements uh, between Syria and, and Russia, uh, Syria seemed to get preferential uh, treatment mm. uh, from, the, from the Soviet okay. Union at the time. Um, certainly they were set, the Soviet Union was selling them to, to various different countries, but Syria was had a Syria for some reason, had a special place in, uh, in, in the Soviet Union's heart, you know. Mm. Uh, I reckon that's to do with Israel. Yeah. A check. It's the closest, well, biggest check on Israel. You know, um, there's been something I've been thinking about for, you know, just, just during this show. Because, Joe, you mentioned that uh, there was like a several-hour break in the news reports. Um, but I didn't notice that here um, because it happened at 9 o'clock, like 9 p.m. our time. And I didn't. We didn't hear about it until just after ten, um, and we turned on the TV when it was happening. And so we got the first, basically the first, um, the first on-air news reports, um, just over an hour after the attack had happened. And in that first report, now I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this correctly. If not, then you know, in the chat room, anyone that anyone else that was watching can correct me. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in that first report at like 10.15, 10.20, that um, they'd said that the, the that the Pentagon had specified three targets. So they did mention the three targets, and only three targets, like just an hour after the attack. Right, and, well, maybe they, they said that, an hour. Right, well, exactly, that's what I was getting to, because what they said was they they mentioned the, the research facility, and they mentioned one of the home's targets, and then they said, and a third target that, um, that will not be named yet. So they were leaving... They were mm. leaving that one open. Basically, were, said the military wouldn't wouldn't specify the third target. Mm. They were hedging their bets, but the bottom line here is that right. is that um, since there's evidence uh, of other air bases and airfields being having been targeted, mm-hmm. but the but the Pentagon and the U.S. government claims has has resol- or resolved very quickly after after the strikes that there was only three. Uh, that mm-hmm. is a fairly strong. Uh, piece of right. evidence that their missiles were shot down. Right. Why would, well, why so would that you made deny, me think... especially especially mm-hmm. military military targets? Why would you mm-hmm. why would you leave those out? They'd be the most mm-hmm. uh, most important ones in terms of public opinion to justify uh, the, the the attack. If there's any you know any uh, any people uh, quibbling over the morality of it, surely you'd want to include mm-hmm. as many military. Syrian government, you know, Syrian government is gassing its own people, Syrian military, blah, 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 blah. You'd want to, I mean, even from just from a purely kind of logical or practical or rules of war point of view, you'd want to emphasize the fact that you tar- targeted military installations. Mm-hmm. Not a university. Not a freaking university. But yet they well, say, so I mean, they, they said, what's 76% of 105? It's, it's like almost 75%. It's like 70% of all of the missiles they fired, they're saying, Landed on a university. Yeah. Now they're not saying it well, in those words, but that's what happened. They're calling it a chemical weapons lab. But go and look it up for yourself. It's nonsense. Well, two things on that. One, that makes me just. This is just some speculation. But I'm wondering if maybe if there was a uh, like a kind of gentleman's agreement between Russia and and the U.S. about these tricks, if 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 perhaps those three um, targets were the ones agreed upon. And if the the you know Americans, French, and British, you know, tried to sneak in a bunch of other targets, no you know, outside of the agreement, 
I mean, I'd and say, then I wouldn't necessarily know so doubt, but I would say that's very pl- very plausible theory mm-hmm. because you can. I mean, these people are not trustworthy. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. trust them as far as you can throw them, basically. So um, definitely, I would say that there was some. I mean, I would I would say that there's high 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 likelihood that there was an agreement made or some information given, um, and I think the mm-hmm. information that was given wasn't so much that. Um, the U.S. told the Russians where where necessarily they were going to target, or maybe in general terms, but rather that the Russians told the U.S. where they couldn't, in the sense of they told mm-hmm. the Russian told the U.S. where Russian military personnel were stationed. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm I'm giving them giving the U.S. Uh, a little bit of kind of um, leeway, I suppose, or, or giving them some credit in the sense that I would assume that they would not deliberately target, or they do not want to target Russian personnel or have any mm-hmm. Russian uh, casualties. But that doesn't stop them from sneakily trying to mm-hmm. uh, attack and kill Syrian military personnel mm-hmm. or destroy Syrian military installations like airfields and uh, military bases, mm-hmm. which they obviously did target mm-hmm. and now they are, have basically whitewashed that. They've removed that from the narrative that they actually targeted military installations. Why? Because they were all shut down. Right. And it is curious that all those other targets, you know, according to the Russians, so if the Russians are, are telling the truth about this, then all those other targets, they got all the cruise missiles and all the missiles that were fired at those targets, 100%. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's like, it, it seems to me as if the, the, the missiles that did get through were maybe allowed through, to, at least to a large degree, and that when all those other targets were targeted, it's like, well, nope, sorry, it wasn't part of the agreement, so they just took all of those missiles out, which is like a, a slap in the face. And, um, well, that just makes me... Well, because if the Russian jamming technology was used as it's being alleged uh, to have been used, then, um, you know, why not use it on all of the missiles, right? Um, presumably, you know, I don't, I don't know the specifics, well, but you'd think that maybe that would work, right? If you can, if you can jam several missiles, can you jam all of them? Um, well, you're talking here, but I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can necessarily take down all missiles. It's seventy percent uh, hit rate is is extremely rare. It's it's actually stunning. It's a stunning. It's unheard of. It's a stunning. Uh, hit rate basically for for taking down incoming projectiles especially from america's nice new shiny smart whatever missiles you know um if you look back at like i said uh, about in the first gulf war with the patriot missiles those patriot missiles were trying to take down uh, scud missiles which were just ballistic missiles they're not guided or anything they're just lobbed up into the air and, and they come down on a, in a, in a parabolic trajectory um and they weren't even able to they got the Israelis claimed, and the Israelis were interested at the time because they were being fired at Israel. The Israelis claimed officially that about they said two percent. Two percent is is like being generous, basically. So yeah. it's very difficult to shoot down incoming missiles. Uh, certainly, it was twenty or thirty years ago. Uh, but so the idea that seventy percent of them were shot down is is really amazing. Um, but yeah, I don't think. Well, but then I don't think it's possible to shoot them all down. Uh, it's not um, unless I mean, obviously, in certain situation or a certain configuration you could in theory shoot down all missiles but you'd have to have a serious amount of hardware they're tracking and, and <clears> taking <throat> care of uh, a large number of missiles and of course it the number that you shoot down would become less uh, 
in in relation to the number that of, of systems you have trying to shoot them down. If you if if you I mean imagine the U.S. fired eight hundred cruise missiles at Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, but this, this, can, this is kind of my down, point. If they've got enough systems, they can take down seventy percent. Yes, but what's thirty percent of eight hundred is still a lot of missiles, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's kind of my point, though. Um, that that makes me um, think that additional systems were used, like some top of the line um, electronic warfare jamming equipment, because just traditional anti air um, anti missile defense, like where you actually shoot a missile up at that missile. That you know, like you're saying, those don't have a very good track record, and you'd you'd think that even with upgrades, um, yeah, it would be pretty low um, mm. just using those traditional means. But if you look at all like all those other um, air bases targeted, it was like if you just separate those out, it was a hundred percent of those missiles like at all at those locations were knocked down mm. or otherwise you know diverted right mm-hmm. it was and at the at the barza you know university you know research facility the the number was much low like much lower it was only like well how many did they say get it was something like 5 out of 30 that they that they knocked yeah, out nine or which so is really 30. low yeah they yeah. didn't expect it there so it's not a military oh, target well, maybe, oh, maybe maybe the university um this but is just what, one more thing on that university on, yeah. just to just to, um, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but this Barza facility, um, I want to read something. This is from an OPCW report, and it should be clear, you know, as I read it, what the details are. So, <clears throat> in accordance with paragraph 11 of Council Decision EC-38, etc., the second round of inspections at the Barza and Jamariah facilities of the SSRC was concluded on 22nd November 2017. The results of the inspections were reported as an addendum dated 28th February 2018 to the report entitled Status of the Implementation of Executive Council Decision EC 83 blah blah blah. Hmm. Um, the analysis of samples taken during the in- inspections did not indicate the presence of scheduled chemicals in the samples and the inspection team did not observe any activities inconsistent with obligations under the convention during the second round of, ex- of inspections at the Barza and Jamraya facilities. Mm-hmm. So basically, it looks like this, this research facility university was used in the past, or at least accused of being um, part of the Syria's previous chemical weapons program, but it has specifically been um, part of the OPCW um, convention you know, requirements of inspections carried out. And the last inspection was carried out just in November of last year, and mm-hmm. the report issues, issued in February. So the OPCW checked out this exact facility um, just four months ago, five months ago, and well, I, I wouldn't, gave I wouldn't, it a, you know, I wouldn't, Yeah, I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that because they, they looked at that facility that it was necessarily involved in, in any purported Syrian chemical weapons program. Hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. But what, why, why, why would anybody do that? I mean, I mean, of course, uh, there's probably. I mean, put it this way: if, for example, the UK well, had been turned into a well, it is a pariah state, but if it was officially a pariah state, uh, a, a, a rogue regime, basically pursuing chemical weapons allegedly, and the whole international community was against them and wanted to wanted to decapitate Theresa May, he still might be beating hard. Anyway, uh, they. Um, Certainly, there's probably dozens and dozens of universities and research institutions across the UK that would come under 
uh, yeah, purview yeah. of the, any any organization looking into what they might be doing. Any lab anywhere, basically, uh, in a university, a private or public uh, lab would be subject to scrutiny, right? Uh, that means, and if and I don't know if you were making, if you had like, if it became known that you were living in the UK and you were making throwing some like chlorine and you know I don't know detergent or something in your bathtub, you might get a visit as well, and you might be named as being uh, involved in the British chemical weapons program. Uh, so it's ridiculous. Obviously, it's I mean th there's no mm -hmm. there's no way to. Uh, I mean, I understand it's difficult for those organizations when they go into a country and they're meant to inspect uh, possible sites. Of course, they, they, there's a long, long list of possible sites. What's a possible site for chemical weapons development? Well, anywhere where there's like test tubes and people in white coats and they have bought some various different uh, components for some unspecified reason. Well, yeah, maybe they're yeah. developing chemical weapons, you know. I mean, I mean didn't, didn't they say about Novichok? "Quote unquote Novichok that you can, if you have if you have the right ingredients and you can make it in your bathtub, you can make it. Uh, anybody can make it at home. The I think uh, it was Craig Murray mentioned that the person he was talking to in the in the, in the British government on the Commonwealth office or something, foreign and Commonwealth office office that um, told him that. Or no, somebody had talked to in the U.S. Anyway, he got some information from someone who was in a position to know. Maybe someone in MIT or something like that uh, who said that his graduate his undergraduate students his best undergraduate students could produce Novichok. right so the whole the whole topic the of whole chemical conversation weapons is just is nuts just from the pure beginning nonsense. but it like is a, interesting that trope, you know in the specific accusation against this specific target it has been specifically verified as not right. having any chemical right. weapons whatsoever to do right. with it. So they blow it up. Yeah. And just a month beforehand, it's signed off. OPCW stamped, yeah. you know. It's amazing. Like, the lies upon the lies, and each one, there's plenty of proof mm. to, to show it to be so. It's, it's yeah. another, it has another layer to it. I, I mean, the, the, the biggest layer with respect to the OPCW and its involvement in Syria is that the they they came in in 2013 because remember Putin intervenes guarantees uh, a deal between the Syrian government signed and approved OPCW inspectors can come in and do whatever they want look wherever they want they verified the country has the the, the government the military forces of the Syrian state has no access to any stockpiles chemical of chemical weapons signed off in early 2014 stamped approved OPCW bam and we, and we that's it that should have been the end of it and, and we fired chemical weapons because oh well they must have kept some oh really do you have any evidence for that no babies babies crying babies uh, social media 23rd of June 2014 tweet from the Department of State to John Kerry, and I quote, Today, the last 8% of declared chemical weapons were removed from hashtag Syria. Great work done by all involved. Oh, right. That's exactly it. Because at the time, they wanted to own that process, even though it was bloody Russia's doing it. Putin should have got the Nobel Peace Prize for preventing the obliteration of Syria in 2013. But they said, we did the Obama government pass it off as their diplomatic success. Them. Yes. We put the pressure on. Unbelievable. We threatened to invade them, as we as they did, and then at the last minute, we got them to remove their chemical weapons, and it was all good. And yeah, by basically that was what October 
2013, so by June 2014, nine months later, done. Official statement by the Department of State to John Kerry. Excellent, last 8%, gone. No more chemical weapons in Syria. Today, lob 100 cruise missiles because, well, they must have got some from somewhere because the white helmet said that they were crying babies. You know, don't you hear the crying babies? Can't you hear them? If you're just quiet enough for long enough, you can hear the crying babies. That was Nikki Haley's literal case to the UN emergency meeting last week prior to the airstrikes. Don't you say that, Nikki. And don't say Nikki Haley again or I'll, <laughs> I'll have to beat something with this fish. Um, Do we even want to listen to the clip of her making the legal case for blowing up yeah. there? Go on, I don't feel like dinner anyway, so... Chemical weapons have once again been used. Babies lying dead next to their mothers. I could hold up pictures of survivors. Children with burning eyes, choking for breath. After all, no civilized government would have anything to do with Assad's murderous regime. Pictures of dead children mean little to governments like Russia. The Russian regime, whose hands are all covered in the blood of Syrian children, cannot be ashamed by pictures of its victims. The United States is determined to see the monster who dropped chemical weapons on the Syrian people held to account. Either way, the United States will respond. All right, she needs the fish. <laughs> Give me, go make me a waffle. Waffle house, Nikki. Um, babies, dead children. Babies, dead children. Russian hands, blood, nails, a sad monster. Na- <laughs> nails on chalkboard. Uh, uh, Chocolate and fried eggs. Uh, Survivors. Stubbing your toe on the cupboard. These are all terrible things. Think about them. Think about them long and hard. Feel that bad feeling. And now listen to me say, Russia, put the bad feelings that I have just encouraged you to feel together with the word Russia. What is the result? You don't like Russia. Okay, we agree. Can we have your support to bomb them? Thank you. Don't call us. We'll call you for the next installment of Babies. Nails on a chalkboard. Not nice things. Things you don't like. Things that make you mad. Scary things. Babies. Gasping for babies. Rotten fish. I don't know. (laughs) Nasty which, things. by the way, it's already been exposed, the ruse of Duma, right. which is that uh, the footage of people right. The joking, one video that they're using, one the one video that they're using, the U.S. government is using as evidence, apart from saying, we saw stuff on social media. That's literally what they said. We saw stuff on social media. That's one of their sources of evidence. But the main evidence that they're shoving in people's faces is babies crying in video getting doused with water. Look at the video. Aren't you horrified? Well, you know what? Russia, and I think it was Russia, yeah, basically Russia, RT, Sputnik, whatever, mm-hmm. in Damascus, in Gouda, in this area, got two of the guys that are clearly visible in that video and asked them what happened. And they said, yes, jihadis launched a mortar attack on a building. It kind of collapsed, set on fire, People in that building taken to hospital with smoke inhalation. That's why you see some respirators on people's faces. Also, he explained that the dousing with water was that someone ran in, 
probably a white helmet and said, it was a chemical attack. And everybody freaked out because they thought they might be exposed to chemicals. So non-medical personnel then started dousing their family members or whoever with water. That's all you see in that video. And that's the basis of Assad used chemical weapons against his people. Uh, it's, it's so untethered from reality. It's, and yet it's predictable from them. But here's, here's where it gets even. So they, they lost the airstrikes anyway. They're back at the UN Security Council meeting, another one. Um, I think it's announced today or yesterday. I'm not sure. Britain, France, and the US are apparently trying to convince Russia to get behind a new UN resolution that would approve these airstrikes in in retrospect. They, do they believe it or not? I don't know. They, they, they're pleading with the Russian government to look, all right, it's, you've had a good run of it. Just let go of Assad. Come, come, back, come back to our side. They're, seriously, that that's the current diplomatic statements anyway at the UN. Right. Yeah. It's it's so weird. It's it's just bizarre. Anyway, um, we'll take a call here from Stephen. Stephen. Yes. How are you doing? Yeah, I, I'm doing uh, very well. Thank you. I, I appreciate y'all's show. Um, you know, just listening to uh, Nikki Haley and just thinking about the whole scenario, what's happened. Um, I've come to the conclusion that Nikki Haley believes absolutely nothing, zero of what she said, zero. Um, she, she she wouldn't have we're, – we're a very dumb people. We can be a very dumb people in general, in mass. But somebody doesn't, doesn't rise up to become a governor um, of a U.S. state by being just that dumb that she would believe anything that she said in front of the that she's been saying in front of the UN I just cannot I cannot believe that right you follow me yeah but how does uh how does someone like that can you imagine standing up in front of the world and telling blatant lies and knowing that they're lies yeah well uh this is in in my opinion looking how does she justify herself yeah, well, she just looking at it from a broader context, um, in my interpretation, that the war machine, the people that make weapons, um, it's a way of, of of just feeding feeding the uh, the oligarchy in the United States and imperialism, and it's so entrenched that um, that that's why we're seeing a, a type of propaganda at this moment. That is affecting, infecting and has affected the, the left of the spectrum. Because if you're going to be somebody like Amy Goodman, Glenn Greenwald, um, Glenn Greenwald actually made a statement that he, that he believed that the Syrian government has behind, has been behind not only this last supposed chemical attack, but others, right? right. That's, that's mendacious and that's lying. I, I also believe that Glenn Greenwald knows that that the, the reality is it is probably it is most likely the rebels who had the incentive, the motivation and the means to, to stage either real or fake chemical attacks. And right. we haven't even we haven't even seen any evidence that there is even a chemical attack that happened. Right. 
Right. So um, this is and, – and who and to me, I, I kind of break this down as simple as I can because that's all I can wrap my mind, mind around. Who – why would Glenn Greenwald say this? Money. He's a multimillionaire through the help of Pierre Omidyar, who was, was giving money to help overthrow the government of Ukraine for U.S. Um, imperialist interests. He was part of funding groups, supposed NGOs. That's Omidyar. Mm-hmm. That's who helps fund the Intercept. The Intercept's um, coverage of, of Syria since its inception has been horrible has right. been horrid. And um, so Glenn Greenwald is a sellout. He, he'll say a lot of things that you nod your head with and you agree with, you know, as far as civil liberties, the rights. And, and, but then on certain crucial issues, he'll fucking distort and, and partake in this pattern of imperialism, which always has a demonization of an individual into right. a gargantuan villain and um, they just pound it into our heads time and time again, and it seems to work like a charm. Amy Goodman, Democracy Now!, follow the money. She's a multimillionaire now for being aligned with fun- foundations that are connected to the arms manufacturers, the oligarch class, and so forth. So uh, I, 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 don't, I don't even give credence to that these talking heads on TV believe really what they're saying. They're playing their roles. They're becoming millionaires, and they're just that cynical to know what their job is and to do it dutifully. Probably. What did you make of Tucker Carlson's monologue on it last week? Yeah. Well, well, um, I put him in the same category as the media whores, but he does seem to want to have some integrity. So they allow Tucker to have these dissident views on Fox because that also gives Fox some credibility as like not being totally right wing neocon. So, um, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, I do, I do um, pat him on the back for, for speaking out forcefully and in, in, um, in helping people become a little bit more skeptical about, about what's going on. I think that was important. Uh, but I think that if that wasn't part of, um, Tucker Carlson's accepted role within Fox, he would have been booted off the air, and that that segment never would have been aired. You follow me? Right. Yeah, it's interesting that so, it's allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the money. I think everything comes down to follow the money. Why are people? Um, what? Why are the more money you have in general, the more financial security you have? the easier it is for you to back any status quo arrangement of power within a society. And it, and, it, and this is true across the globe. So like, it's no surprise that when middle-class people, you know, are fat, dumb and happy here, they're making a couple hundred grand a year. They have retirement accounts. They, they have soccer practice. They, they're engaged in all other activities outside of work. So they get a little news blurb here and there and, and, and and then all of a sudden they come to the opinion that Assad's a demon, and mm. and um and this says something really interesting about our culture. Even though we have all these universities in education, we just don't um, educate people to think critically. Right. And um that that's an effect of how power, social social classes and relations of power impact our educational system. 
critical thinking is a very fascinating subject and it's a use, use while exercise of your, your uh, mental capacities. And, um, and, and if we were going to have any kind of society where people actually have a say in, in how things go, you know, some, dem- some semblance of dem- democratic, um, component to a system, you would think that we would want real educated voters that can think critically. Our society does not produce that. And I would say it's probably goes for most societies in the world. So right. even, you know, um, I think it's across the board and it's effect. It's an effect of power on how things, um, how people are matriculated through a system and educated and so forth. But our habits of stupidity within England and the United States, you know, it's, it seems like, um, it seems like maybe it's hard for me to, I haven't thought about it deeply, but it's though the population really isn't as dumb. They're getting smarter because people do question the official narrative and they have the internet to get alternative views fairly easily. We, that's a big difference between now and say 30 years ago. But at the same time, the people with power have a more sophisticated means of uh, filtering out dissident views um, from reaching the the majority of the population, even though we have this incredible uh, technological uh, evolution through the Internet. Right. Right. But um, I think that as far as Trump goes on this whole thing, um, I think that the guy's just not that bright in many areas. He's very bright when it comes to business and, and making money and knowing how to present himself as a celebrity figure. He's bright in that regard. Um, and he's cynical enough to, to play people in business and get ahead. And that's kind of the American way. He's the top dog, but he's really not that bright when it comes to history, when it comes to global affairs. So he's, he's surrounded, even though he would, he, he probably does genuinely think it would be better to have good relations with Russia. He's got a situation where the United States is losing its imperial status. So mm-hmm. they have to, they have to use a serious kind of a linchpin. So it seems to me, uh, if I were just to guess what's going to happen in the future, the long term is the United States will try to set up a permanent place inside of that area of Syria that they have control and entrench it. And there, that's the only way they can stop a block of Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon from developing that would counter the Saudi, the, the puppet regimes of Saudis and, and Israel plays a role in that too. So this mm-hmm. is a linchpin event, uh, situation for the U.S., the neocon thinkers, the deep state, the, the types that have no problem snuffing out people using humanitarian excuses to maintain U- U.S. global hegemony. So they're trying to, what they're going to do in Syria, I think, is try to set up something permanent there. And then um, then the question is, um, you know, what's going to happen with Russia? Will Russia ever be forced into a situation? I think Russia would actually support a long-term status quo where the United States has cut off a section of Syria and um, it will not attack the United States and try to destroy their, their hold on that region. But there's going to be um, the, the danger is that there's going to be a lines crossed where too many innocent 
well, I, well, I, I would say innocent Russian soldiers or Russian personnel are killed by U.S. violence inside Syria, that Russia has to act militarily and, and shoot at, um, you know, American uh, U.S., uh, you know, proxies or, or army personnel or aircraft. And that's the real danger. But um, and who knows how that could play out. So that's kind of my take on the situation right now. All right, Stephen. Thanks for uh, thanks okay. for coming. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks, Stephen. See ya. Um, uh, there's one country that's conspicuous by its absence in focus. Or focus. Pardon my français. Focus. Um, I mean, it's the old alliance. It's been the old alliance since. <laughs> Since World War One, actually, the U.S., well, look, France, and the U.K. If you talk about the scribble business, Ooh, who, yeah, we should talk about that. We should no, we shouldn't talk about that. Why? No, we talked about it already. We talked about that enough. I just want to uh, say one thing about it, and it's that um, it echoes what Craig Murray, former U.S. ambassador, British ambassador to Uzbekistan, said on his blog uh, a few weeks ago. As soon as it happened. Pretty much as soon as it happened. He said, you know, uh, there's plenty of people who have a motivation to set Russia up in this way, to try and drop this on, on the UK and set up Russia. And he mentioned the Israelis and Mossad. And at the time I went, yeah, that's actually pretty uh, pretty close to, 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 to what I was thinking myself. Um, unless the, the, the British did it. But there was an element of the scribble business where they didn't know really what they were doing and they got it all a bit... They were they got so a bit, clumsy. They got a bit flustered about the whole thing. Yeah. They didn't, didn't know how to handle it. They didn't handle it in a way that it was... that that they understood or they they had a, a pre-plan or a, yeah. a plan developed to, to follow immediately after. They were simply reacting with outrage type of thing uh, and going with the official Russia, hate Russia script. Uh, so somebody, it seems somebody dropped that on the on the British dumped it in their laps kind of thing and said, what are you going to do with that, you know? And that's the kind of thing that the Israeli Mossad kind of do, you know? Uh, the Israelis, and the reason the Israelis would do that, knowing that they would end up, uh, it would end up in a demonization, a further demonization or smear campaign against Russia, that it was effectively an attack on Russia, um, not on the UK. The reason the Israelis would do that is because Russia is a big problem for Israel. Although, and they, but Russia plays this kind of nicey, nicey game where they have proper, nice relationships with, with Russia, and they, you know, they uh, have dialogue with each other, or they they scratch each other's back type of thing. They don't offend each other, and everything's okay officially. But behind the scenes, Russia, uh, Israel is sees Russia as a serious threat to its existence, effectively, because it's through Russian um, support. Influ- support or influence or a power uh, in in the Middle East that is. Uh, it's through that that Iran is being emboldened and strengthened yeah. along yeah. with uh, Lebanese Hezbollah and obviously the Syrian government. And those three, Lebanon, uh, Hezbollah, uh, Syri- the Syrian government and Iran are long, long-term enemies mm-hmm. uh, hated by the Israelis. The Israelis have never shut up about those three countries for most of their existence, basically, you know what I mean? And for Russia to come in and uh, empower them is like a red red rag to a bull kind of thing for, for the Israelis. But the yeah. Israelis don't don't rock the boat with Russia officially, not in the international stage, that kind of stuff. They're not, they're not screaming like the UK and the US or uh, about anti-Russian sentiment. They're not, they're not fully engaging or even partially engaging in this anti-Russian smear campaign. But behind the scenes, they're actually providing the raw material in their own way 
and where they can for that smear campaign without no, without any i mean that's if you wanted to achieve your objectives surely it's like by deception right that's the mossad's model by way of deception if you want to achieve your uh, objectives then if you're of that kind of mindset the way you want to do it is to incite someone else incite other people into conflict with your enemy provoke your friends to hate your enemies uh while you to some extent get away cleanly of course israel has made it clear that it doesn't like syria and it's been bombing in syria and all that kind of stuff well uh, at least a, at least a dozen times yeah they, they just they, get they, away with they it. don't they don't set up a false flag ginny up a media campaign make sure the u.n security council's got its back and then say oh we're going in no they just, just go ahead and it's it. in the newspaper the next day oh. there were airstrikes last night for the 13th time in the last 10 months they just go in and blow up whatever they want right and it's it's having real consequences when i, I was looking for, for footage of missiles being launched by the Syrian forces in response to the incoming U.S. Tomahawks. I found a ton of videos that I hadn't seen before going back over the last two years of their Syrian defense systems retaliating, and you can hear the jets overhead. Mm-hmm. They're retaliating. They're trying to hit the Israelis. They right. finally they succeeded in doing that just last month, which was kind of buried by all this other news about mm-hmm. Skripal uh, and obviously this situation now. Mm-hmm. The Israelis got had a jet shot down by the Syrians. They were at war nonstop, but it's like the world media has tacitly agreed not to cover that war. Right. That's a sub-war, and it's taking place in isolation over here. Right. But, of course, U.S. versus Russia, headlines, well, everyone a, gets well, to hear about it. There's an interesting detail on that, on that score, and it's that uh, a statement by the Russian government that in response to the cruise missile attack on Syria just a couple of days ago, they said that they would previously, that they had at the request of their foreign partners, the US and, and Europe and Israel, uh, they had not, they had stopped any plans to sell S-300 uh, anti-air uh, defense systems to to give them to, to Syria. But now after this attack, they will be revis- revisiting that possibility, i.e. they may give or install, give to the Syrians S-300 uh, Systems now. The important thing about SD-100s is that they're not for SD-100s can shoot down Tomahawk cruise missiles, but it's massive overkill. That's not what they're for. They're for shooting down planes, and shooting down planes very effectively, to the point where no one will uh, dare to fly dare in. to fly over a, 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 an airspace that's covered by an SD-100 system. And that that was a message to Israel. Okay. Because Syria doesn't have that capability, and that's why Israel has been able to bomb almost with impunity until recently. Okay, that, that one almost got back to Israel before it crashed inside Israel, you yeah. notice, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, they would not be able to do that anymore if, if Russia were to give them, to give the Syrians uh, that kind of a system, you know. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Because that, that message wasn't really towards the US because in a certain sense, you know, the Russia already protects Syrian airspace, at least the Syrian territory that, the airspace over the territory that's controlled by the Syrian government, which is, you know, a good part of the country, that's more or less protected by um, by Syrian air defences. Uh, and it's understood that uh, the US cannot and should not attack the Syrian military. So there's no real need for the Syrian military to protect itself against coalition, let's say US or UK or FUCUS, basically, uh, airplanes. Because they have decided that you know, before now that they're that they're not really able to do that. They're not going to attack the Syrian military because of Russian air defences. But Israel 
has done so, you know. Um, so that message of possibly giving us 300 to Syria was really directed at Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in in reference, basically, it was almost like a reference to Israel. You know, you're the one who's been flying planes into Syria and bombing from your planes, bombing Syrian targets. They so, say, and they say it's to target and hit Iranians. They can say it's a target and hit the Barney, the freaking purple dinosaur. But there is you know? some reality. Of course, it's there's a reality, growing reality that they're creating that Iranians are there. But they're there anyway, you know. Yeah. And yeah, this is an existential crisis for Israel. It's an existential crisis for Israel. The next door now. And for Saudi, <laughs> and for Saudi Arabia, you know. Right. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Israel stand to be ousted from the Middle East, basically, at least in, in terms of the hierarchy of them being the top dog. Saudi Arabia yeah. has all the pet, has all the oil. Uh, Israel has all the whatever is chutzpah. I don't know whatever it has uh, that keeps it like you know this little tiny little country that should be way down the list of countries in the world because it's got a, such a small population, no real resources. Uh, it shouldn't be very significant at all. But it has the Jesus legacy because Israel, right? Um, so they, they're in terms of the power plays, the power dynamics in the Middle East, Israel and Saudi Arabia are facing an ex. It's not an existential crisis. It's more like a greedy bastards crisis in the sense that they want it all and they're, thre- they're, they're, they're being threatened with not being allowed to get it all or not being top dog anymore. And, and that's a natural order because you look at Iran. Israel has what, five, six million people? If you, it depends if you include the Palestinians or not because I'm not sure they're people according to the Israelis. But anyway, Israel, there's a few million Jews in Israel. Tiny, small, little, tiny little country. Iran, with no resources really. Iran, some of the biggest gas and oil resources in the world. 80 million people. Just over the over over there, other side of Syria, you know, Iraq, uh, Iraq the same, uh, less population but lots of resources. Syria lots of resources. Uh, if there was some normalized standard of of hierarchy in the Middle East based on resources, Iran would be at the top. Uh, Saudi Arabia would have to play ball with them, and Iraq and Syria would be up there as well. Um, but uh, but no, apparently it's it's like an inverted pyramid, you know. Um, uh, you know the, the smallest one. Well, the smallest one is at the top, really. You know, uh, when it shouldn't be there. So that's their problem, um, and that's why they don't like Russia because what Russia's doing. But Russia seems to be playing a game, really. With uh, at the same time, they try. They seem to be trying to keep the Israelis on side to not antagonize them, to play, give them assurances, basically. And but it's getting to the point where I mean, put it this way: I don't think Russia necessarily wants. Russia doesn't necessarily want Iran to run rampant across the Middle East and to dominate it, like Iran would like to, but Russia doesn't necessarily want that. Russia wants a kind of, however it conceives it, but a kind of balance of power where people at least get on and aren't killing each other and fighting each other, you know what I mean? Um, it doesn't necessarily want, it's not stuck on the idea that Iran should have bases all across Syria, that it should effectively colonize Syria. I don't think Russia even think that's, thinks that's a good idea. So it's not necessarily facilitating this push. And that's what gives us some leverage with the, with the Israelis, where it genuinely doesn't want to see Iran. Well, Russia has, is an, has practically announced now, look, the U.S. can't stop them, but we can stop the Iranians right. from getting too far. Right. You, exactly. you, so to say, you have to switch to us, yeah. given that we're now the dominant player here. Yeah, there's a very complicated... Uh, but it's in transition, there. so uh, yeah. it's back and forth. Right. It's not quite clear that the Russia has the dominance yet. Like Stephen McCuller said, you know, they did basically just carve out a chunk of northeast Syria. They right. are still there, the American troops. Yeah. Are they there for the long haul? They they just announced it again yesterday. Yes, we are. We're there for the long haul. Yeah. So Something else they announced is, uh, surprise, surprise, Nikki Haley, uh, more sanctions. 
coming soon for Russia. Whatever. For, for being naughty. Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever. Uh, but of course, the uh, and the Russian government just made a little statement they're recently saying that they have more than enough resources to deal with any pressure that the U.S. Sorry, Russia has adequate response to any kind of U.S. pressure that can be exerted. Well, according the, to the Russian foreign ministry. On Friday, the a Pentagon def- I think spokeswoman, after a general reassured White House press reporters that um, the mission was spectacular success, 100% success. We bombed exactly what we wanted to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, he gave the floor. No, he was interrupted by a female spokeswoman for the Pentagon, Dana White, I think her name is. Let's let's have a listen. Dana White. What's her name again? Or what's her uh, handle? She's the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., is that it? No, no, no UK ambassador, I mean. UK no, no, amb- no, 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 that's uh, Karen Price. No, um, what? Pentagon's, Pentagon's box. Box, yeah, that's the one. The last part of your question, I can't help you with what the Syrians are saying or not saying, but I'm telling you it's what actually happened. And on that point, um, as Secretary Mattis said last night, the Russian disinformation campaign has already begun. There has been a 2,000% increase in Russian trolls in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Therefore, we will keep you all abreast of the facts moving forward. Thank you all very much. A 2,000% in Russia. She didn't say where they were. Does that mean there's real Russian trolls like under bridges and stuff? 2,000% increase in Russian trolls in the past 24 hours. <laughs> where? Uh, I mean, I mean, in the White House? <coughs> in or America. In America. Yeah. Running around the streets? I believe like so. Biting no, people? in the internet. You see, it's a hybrid war, Joe. Let me explain the concept of a hybrid war. Go on. So Russia has many tentacles, right? Yeah. And it's all up in your internets. So whenever there's a war like this, they respond asymmetrically, see? Yes. And they do it by unleashing trolls on by, the internet. By saying stuff on the internet. And they had a 2,000% increase in their in their cyber genetic so, warfare. So, so should people stop up their ears or something like that? Stop up their internet. No, no, they should. They should never believe anything they see on social media, except when, when they, we say social media was awesome right. to justify the Duma chemical weapons attack. But no, otherwise, social media is fake news. That's why we have Zuckerberg up this week. Right. We're grilling him about fake news and social media. Of course, he's saying yes, Russia's it's a cold war with Russia, mm. and uh, we're fighting the war for you guys. Yeah. What about this lady, the UK ambassador? She's a lovely, oh. lovely specimen. UK God. ambassador to the UN. Uh, what's her name? I don't know what her name is. I don't Karen really care. Pierce. Karen. She's new since January. She replaced the previous guy, Rycroft. Yeah, she had something to... Uh, she had some serious words for the Russians, uh, this uh, UK ambassador to the UN. She schooled them, no? Big time. Yeah. That's here. In respect of Karl Marx, I think he must be turning in his grave to see... <laughs> what the country that was founded on many of his precepts is doing in the name of supporting Syria by condoning the use of CW on Syrian territory. That's a very good point because it's well known, not, not a very well known point, but it's a very important point, an like overlooked aspect of Karl Marx's uh, uh, theories, including... Uh, <laughs> Uh, is, is that he Including was... Including Das Chemicals. Das, he was dead set against the chemical <laughs> weapons. He, I mean, he said <laughs> that it was the one way to alienate 
the proletariat to, to, to ruin any chance. The working chance class. Of, to alienate the proletariat, the working class was to, uh, to use chemical weapons in any form. <laughs> and that you would only embolden the bourgeoisie and the, uh, <laughs> the capitalist class by using chemical weapons, uh, particularly in the Middle East. Uh, and particularly uh, if Russia was to do that, I think Karl Marx, I think she said that Karl Marx said that Russia would bring on its own destruction if it was to allow the use of chemical weapons in the Middle East in 2018. I mean, it's, it's awful, isn't it? I mean, what did Karl Marx go and found Russia for? I know. And to see what what happened to his yeah. creature that he created. Look at it I today. Know. Look, it's awful. I know. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's another lesser known fact that Karl Marx founded Russia. Uh, I, f- I founded the Soviet Union. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's the quality of person you have at the uh, at the UN representing the UK. So what do you expect? You know, this is the person that the British government decided to represent them on the world stage at the UN. She is, you know... I think she's Boris Johnson's cousin. Well, she's got to be genetically related somehow to that. I made that up. That, she might as well be. <laughs> but seriously, like, I mean, that just says it all. How can you believe... I mean, that's the quality of person that is presented, the, the quality of intellect, basically, is presented to represent the UK. And obviously the people who picked her to do that are, are no better because, you know, right. one, idiot pick, one idiot picks another. One bullshit artist picks another, you know. Um, it's classic polarization, right? Yeah. The downward selection. Right. A certain mindset gets in and they pick people of the right mind, but they don't understand that to normal people, they're just completely gaff prone. Yeah. Without and, conscience. And they don't know. That they're t- the worst no, thing is they don't realize don't, that don't they're, they're, effect, they're they can't see. She said that, and I bet she was so proud sure, of herself. She, I bet she left that room going, I really showed those Russians, yeah. and the whole world's watching it just jaw yeah. on the floor, you know. Karl you're Marx, so wrong, you're not even wrong, sweetheart. Karl Marx, the founder of Russia, is turning in his grave because Russia likes chemical weapons. The parallels are clear, everybody. The whole world needs to hear this. Oh, what does she think? So, Karl Marx and Das Chemical. What? It was supposed to shame the Russian ambassador. It, it, yeah. it feel, again, appeal to the emotions. Your mother's feel the shame. Turn. This is shame. Feel it. It's like saying your mother's... Tur- it's like t- now do what I say. Yeah. What? <laughs> your mother's turning in her grave. If, if she could see you now, she'd be horrified. She must be turning in her grave. She gave birth. I mean, Karl Marx gave birth to Russia, and look what Russia's doing. Has it no shame? You know, the last thing on his dying, on his deathbed, Karl Marx said, "Whatever you do, don't use the chemical weapons, my beloved Russia that I birthed." And what does Russia do? Use the chemical weapons in flagrant violation of Karl Marx, the Russian founder's last dying words. I even wrote a book on it, like you said. That's chemical. Anyway, um, yeah, wonderful. That's uh, that's just wonderful. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you do? You just walk away. See you later, you know, because uh, you're all nuts. You're all talking nonsense, and I'm, I'm tired pointing out your BS, your flagrant BS, the big stinking pile. It keeps piling up there. I'm tired pointing it out to all the people, anybody who's listening, kind of tired pointing it out. Because you know what? It stinks to high heaven, and everybody with a working nose should be able to smell it by now. Is this how this is going to go now from here on out? Every week we get on here and they do another false flag 
and use it to do something atrocious or risky or, or whatever. And we have to like point out why it's wrong. Yeah. It, but here's why the obvious, uh, the obvious, uh, you know, setup, the obvious um, lie that you know it's like you know the sky is green. We have to go and say, well, you see, the Pentagon the other day said that the sky was green, and um, there's a problem with that story. Uh, here we've, we've got a flip chart here. We're going to do a PowerPoint presentation on why. Um, it's not green, <laughs> and 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 why this is a this is just an underhanded attempt to screw over Russia, uh, yeah, by convincing the world that something isn't is the way it isn't. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what we're faced into. Although you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what's going to be basically. Yes, yes, but it's going to get worse because these people are going to be. They're going to be more making done, more mistakes. More mistakes are going to be more more obvious, more egregious, more flagrant kind of like lies will be told, and and, and worse, they're going to become more confident in the lies to tell. Maybe that's the side yeah. effect. They like Karen Pierce just there. Right. She will say something even more right. with more enthusiasm and more conviction. They'll be like, yes, this is what it is. I mean, they'll say stuff that is obviously not true or that is. So beyond the realm of, of of likelihood or possibility that the average person should go just like go, they should laugh, but they're not laughing because they're shocked that someone would try and pass off such a pile of bullshit on them as serious. And you expect the person to break out laughing and say, "Only joking." Of course, uh, of course, there's no chemical weapons. Or, or, of course, of course, Assad wouldn't use chemical weapons. We're only joking to saying that he used chemical weapons. You're waiting for them to say that, and then they don't say it, and you go. Hang on, you're serious? They're serious. And then you just, so it kind of like freezes your brain. You don't know what yeah. to do. And you just want, like I say, you just want to get a large fish out and, and slap them off the stage, basically, like knock them off the podium and say, okay, next, can we have a sensible person who will say something, uh, you know, more in line with reality? But um, um, there's no hope. I don't know. They seem to be pushing the, the tart, like the, the idiots, you know, the, the complete buffoons, the, the the brain dead people, they seem to be pushing them into the limelight and say, You you say something now, you know, you say <laughs> say something authoritative, you know. Uh, and uh, three stooges or something, you know, or you know I don't know, get up there, say whoop 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 and slap their face, uh Russia slap slap whoop whoop, Russia's evil. That's all I have for you today. Anyway. Slap. That was another thing Nikki Haley said recently. Literally. Yeah, she, yeah, was, yeah I'm going to slap Russia. She well, we will never herself. be friends with Russia, but we will always be there to, to slap them down. Yeah. But she should slap herself, is the thing. You know? If she had any sense, she'd give herself a good slap. Anyway, um, I think we've talked enough about slapping this show, no? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think, I think we've pretty much talk that topic out um there'll be more uh stuff that we have to do with i mean like we said earlier on the show the u.s, US aircraft carrier truman <laughs> the guy who dropped the bombs didn't he drop the bombs he sanctioned the dropping of the bombs i think i think the uss truman was part of the ruse no truman truman president right but the he was dropper he big, dropped big, the nukes, big, yeah. Big, so maybe, well, maybe uh, he, he was a pencil pusher from Missouri. He didn't but, do anything, but, but yeah. still, he was present at the time. So maybe it's USS Truman is a you know word to the wise, kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. US, US Truman. Nuke, oh, nukes. 
We're going oh, to use, we're going to use right. Well, Syria. the other USS was the Winston Churchill. Uh, well, that, that's a guy. There's weapons. a guy who you dropped chemical weapons on in Iraq. British airstrikes on Iraq and other places, I think, or talked about it. Talked about doing it in Ireland. Talked about doing it in Ireland. An actual, and then they used it. I mean, yeah. is that a signal too? Maybe it is, but then. I don't know. No, it's not a signal, but I'm saying this ship, this, this, aircraft, carrier, this aircraft carrier with a bunch of uh, planes, obviously, fighter jets and stuff is, is coming in the next day or two to the eastern Mediterranean. Uh, so are they going to do more? Are they going to have another? Are they going to try shock and awe part two this time? It's This time they're super they're super new and smart and shiny, super smart, super smart missiles. Well, well Matt has said immediately after the airstrikes on Friday night, this is a one Yeah, one some off. other people maybe were saying it was just maybe not like, but you're getting conflicting information. It's very hard to figure out what's actually going on. We just have to wait and see and then analyze after the fact. And generally, you know, we start out with a kind of preformed uh, conclusion, which is these people are idiots. And, that's, that's and not, then we wait not, for them to show us right, but that that's our conclusion is correct. It's not okay. biased. Once you investigate, you find out that it's true. I mean, you, you know, it's you can set it up. You can have an a priori kind of a assumption or or a, a belief about something that's going to happen in the realm of geopolitics when America is involved, i.e., that they're tel- they're full of shit because they have at this point a, such a long track record of being full of shit that. It's going to be some flavor of shit, basically, you know what I mean? So what we do is, on the show every week, is we come and we present the particular flavor that uh, is, has been presented this week. So that's what we're... Well, maybe we'll get some good flavors. You never know. It might be nice. Anyway, uh, we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, another show. Until then, have a good evening. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everyone.